Hi, this is Shara, and this is the Just Nurse Things podcast. This is a show where we talk about all things nursing, including going through nursing school, prepping for the NCLEX, becoming a nurse, and what it's like being a nurse right now and more. We're also going to talk about health and wellness, the lifestyle as a nurse, and how we can continue to learn more about ourselves each and every day. Hey guys, happy Nurses Week. This is just a little reminder to send love out to your nurses and your healthcare professionals this week for all the hard work that they do each and every day. And also nurses, don't forget, we do have discounts and there are some fun sales going on for us right now. So be sure to log into Google and see what you can find. All right, so for today's episode, I'm pretty much just going to go through, I think, stuff that I learned Um, or stuff that I had to learn really, really quickly. Um, For today, I think we're just going to talk about some random things that I had to learn very quickly when I first started working. Um, So yeah, here goes nothing. Um, I mean, you learn a lot of things very quickly when you're working on whatever particular unit that you're working on. Uh, One of the things I had to learn really fast was just how to use Epic in general. My hospital uses Epic and because in nursing school, we didn't really, at least my class anyway, we didn't really have like a structured um, program to use and to practice with. We had our own, um, I forget what it was called, actually. I think it was called, it was like mock chart or something like that. I Or sim chart, sim chart's what it's called. And in my opinion, it's absolutely nothing like Epic or any other program that you really use, which is kind of frustrating. But at the same time, I mean... It is what it is. So learning how to use Epic really quickly was definitely one of the hardest parts because you have to figure out where everything is and you have to just be able to click on everything really quickly and understand what you're looking at. I found the brain to be really useful. If you're a nurse using Epic right now, um, a lot of people tell you not to use the brain, which I don't really understand because it helps me keep track of my entire day. So, I mean, I get it, but I also don't. (laughs) So, um learning how to use the brain and what it actually means has been really helpful for me. Also learning how to use the adding tasks in Epic. You can actually add your own tasks where you can make a reminder for yourself. Like for example, I have patients that will want a pain medicine literally on the dot every three hours, which, you know, you can try so hard to remember, but in reality, you have so many things going on. So what I like to do is I like to add a task And I like to add a reminder to bring them pain medicine. So that way, the next time I go in there, I just bring it with me anyway. Um, And I don't even have to really think about it or see the last time that I gave the time. I mean, you still obviously double check once you get in the room. But before then, you don't really have to. So that was another thing I learned. Um, Let's see. Giving blood. That was definitely um, weird for me. To be honest, it totally gave me the ick at first. It still kind of does, but I've done it a few times now already, so I'm a lot better at it. Um, But there's like this whole process that you go through, like the type and screen has to be there, um, meaning like the hospital has to make sure they draw labs and make sure that they have the type type of the blood um, so that way they don't end up giving the wrong blood when they send it to you. For my hospital, they have a runner go and get the blood and then bring it back because once it gets on the unit, you have 30 minutes to actually administer the blood before it's considered expired. So you have 30 minutes to give blood. You have to take vitals 15 minutes maximum before you give the blood. Then you, you know, you have to make sure that there's consent and everything like that, which is usually in the patient's chart. Um, You start the blood for um, 15 minutes 
and you have to sit with a patient for 15 minutes to make sure that there are no like adverse reactions. Like sometimes patients will have an allergic reaction to blood for whatever reason, or they'll get itchy or something like that. So you have to immediately stop it and then go from there. Most of the time that doesn't occur, but if it does, then, you know, you obviously have to fix it. So you wait for the first 15 minutes and usually I just spend that time just like kind of getting to know the patient, asking them questions, you know, seeing if there's, you know, other things that I could do uh, for their care to make their hospital stay a little bit better. I'll also chart while I'm in there as well. I have like a rolling computer that I'll bring with me. Um, And then after those 15 minutes, you take vitals again, see if they've changed, ask the patient how they feel, usually assess their heart and lungs, see if you hear any crackles or anything like that. And then if they're okay, you pretty much can leave the room. I mean, you should still frequently check in on the patient because usually blood takes, at least depending on like how much they are, one unit usually takes about four hours to give blood. So then after those four hours, you're supposed to go back in, take the vitals again. um, And that's like the whole, you know, shebang of giving blood. So at first I was really scared of doing it, to be completely honest. Uh, like I said, it gave me the ick. I really didn't want to, but now I've gotten pretty good at giving it. So there's that. I mean, I feel like I learn new stuff every day. So this segment doesn't really have to be that long. Um, it's just really interesting to learn so much every day. Like I feel like I'm pretty decent at my job now. And then I, I walk in and all of a sudden there's something I've never done before. Like the other day I had to actually, this sounds so silly, but I had to call another unit to transfer two other patients. I had no idea how to reach those other units. Like I was like, is there a phone number for these units? Like I have no idea how to find them. And I had to ask a colleague to help me find the number for the other units, which was just weird. I was like, oh, I've learned just about all I need. Nope, no, (laughs) You, you learn something new each and every day. I'm going to have to bring some of my nursing friends onto this podcast because I have some friends who work at the same hospital as I do, but they work in a different unit. And when I ask them about their day and I talk about their day, it's completely different than mine. Like, I mean, I think she's on a medicine floor and I'm on an orthopedics floor, so it's, it's going to be different anyway. But it's just interesting to see like how we both as newer nurses, how we both have completely different experiences. So I'm going to have to ask her and see if she'll come on my podcast if she feels comfortable with doing so of course um let's think of other things um using new technology i mean i feel like a lot of the times we're using new technology all the time i mean we'll suddenly get new like i know we're just now getting new iv pumps which we have alaris pumps right now and i think they're up they're either updating the whole pump itself or it's just the library i'm not really sure um but I know for a fact that they, I used one already and it was already confusing for me because I had to like refine one of the, there was an antibiotic I was giving, I was giving cefazolin um, and I was trying to find it in the list and usually it's at the top of the list when you click on C, but now it's at a completely different spot in the list. So I was like, okay, this is great. I'm going to have to relearn the thing all over again, but that's, uh, that's nursing for you. So I would say new technology is definitely one of the bigger ones. Um, I think we're going to be getting other stuff at our hospital soon, um, hopefully sooner rather than later, just so that way I have time to like learn everything. Um, Epic recently had an upgrade too. We had to, like things are in different places now. So like a lot of times when we have people come on the unit, we end up doing like a COVID swab just to, you know, I mean, it's really supposed to be done right when they get admitted, but sometimes it doesn't happen due to the pace of the day. So a lot of times we'll have to do a COVID swab on our unit 
and there's like a new place on Epic to find new processed data now, which I'm still trying to figure out how to find that and nobody else can seem to answer me. So um, I'm probably going to have to do some research on how to figure out how to figure that one out. I mean, you really just learn, relearn everything all the time. Um, I mean, there's even new policies in place all the time. Like you just have to relearn everything all the time. Once you think you know something, it's going to change. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I mean, that's how life goes. Everything is ever changing all the time. So I guess it's no different. It's just interesting when it's in more of a controlled environment that you go to as a job. I think another really big thing that I had to learn like super quick was probably, I mean, I said this last time, but definitely time management, like learning how I assess patients, how it works for me, and then how I'm able to document it in the flow sheets the way that makes sense to me. So for example, when I get a post-op patient, usually like you go in and you assess, I mean, there's a whole assessment. We do a head-to-toe assessment, heart and lung sounds, ask them if they have chest pain, difficulty breathing, anything like that, if they have previous health conditions that would cause their lungs to sound a certain way. Like sometimes I'll get a patient that comes up and they're wheezing a little bit and I'll ask them, do they have asthma? And they will say yes. So in that case, that would be normal for them in a sense. And that puts a checklist in my mind that, okay, I need to make sure they have albuterol on hand or they have their asthma medications in in Epic. Um, I'll then go to their stomach. I'll listen and make sure they have bowel sounds because a lot of times after surgery, bowel sounds may be absent. In that case, we want to make sure there's no bowel obstruction or anything like that. Um, And usually people do have positive bowel sounds. I'll percuss it as well. Uh, feel their abdomen, see if it feels full, if it feels hard, things like that. Um, Any other signs of like an ileus or things like that. Then I'll ask them when their last bowel movement is because that's obviously really important for us to know when the last time they voided was, although usually it's documented in the computer or if they have a Foley or anything like that. If they have history of urinary retention, if they have history of uh, constipation, things like that. Um, depending on the type of patient when they come up, that determines the full head to toe. So like a spinal patient, I usually do a full neuro exam just to make sure that all their neuros are working or that at least that I can document how their neuro status is right now. So I'll do hand grips, how strong they are, foot pumps, see if they can uh, push their feet up or down, how strong it is, assess their pulses, all that good stuff, numbness or tingling anywhere. I'll always check the dressing and we always on our unit, we do a two nurse skin assessment. We call it a four eyes assessment um, where we look at the back of the patient's skin to see if they have any pressure injuries, if they have any other skin issues or skin concerns, or just even like tattoos, skin tags, scars, anything like that, that we should know that we can document it. So the nurses later on that take care of him, there's no question of what it is, things like that. Documentation is probably the biggest thing and I've learned to absolutely document everything. I document every conversation I have with a provider. I document everything that I do for the patient just so that way, you know, if something were to happen in the future, that way there's documentation that I did it. Um, And you'll probably hear this from instructors. If you're a nursing student, you'll hear if you didn't document it, you didn't do it. And that is 100% true. Um, I'll usually assess the patient to see if they have difficulty swallowing or anything like that. Because usually when patients come right up from uh, post-ops, they usually want to eat first thing, which we try not to get them to do because a lot of times due to anesthesia and other drugs that are used in the OR, the patient tends to like not 
their bowels don't wake up yet, so you don't want to immediately have them eat anything because that can cause them to form an ileus or it can cause them to get constipated or, you know, there's there's so many variables, especially when someone's waking up from surgery. The bowels literally have to wake up from after anesthesia, so that's something really important that we look into. So normally, when a patient comes up, we usually have them just, their diet is just clear liquids and ice chips just to see how they do with that, and then later down the road, then we can switch them to their diet. And it really depends depends because if if it's a diabetic um, we usually check their blood sugar as soon as they come to the floor because your blood sugar can fluctuate before and after surgery and during surgery due to medications due to um, being NPO meaning nothing by mouth before the surgery so they can't eat or drink before surgery which does affect your blood sugar so things like that Um, and we want to see how sensitive they are to their blood sugar as well. So whether they need insulin when they come up or not, um, that's important for us to know as well. Um, If they have their own insulin pump, there are, like I said, multiple variables. Usually we'll have an order for um, running fluids as soon as they come up. So usually it's lactated ringers or it's normal saline at 100 or 75 uh, cc's per hour. So usually you'll run fluids unless they're already eating and drinking or just drinking in general. Um, but usually I end up running the fluids, especially if they're like still groggy from surgery, just to make sure they get that hydration. Um, then we make sure, you know, we know the due to void time, meaning there's like a certain period of time at my hospital where a person is supposed to void after a period of time. So let's say they voided um, at 7 a.m. before their surgery. Then you count six to eight hours from there and that's their due to void time. So um, it does vary, especially if the patient had a Foley during their surgery because then you count from when the Foley was removed. That is their due to void time. Um, And everybody's different, so you kind of have to, like, make a good nursing judgment call on, you know, whether the patient is in an emergency situation or whether they need further evaluation for something like that. Um, Like, if the patient has a history of urinary retention, as I said before, this may be their normal, which is obviously not normal per se, but you just kind of have to work with the patient and what their baseline is rather than exactly what is considered normal. That's another, like, nursing judgment call. Um, And then... I said this in the last episode, but usually I do like required patient education and uh, documentation. So violence and suicide risk, how they're doing, um, their medications that they took earlier that day, because as soon as they come up to the floor and I release their orders for post-op, all their medications are put in. And based on the time that I release the orders is when like the medications are quote unquote due, which are not usually accurate because like the patient could have taken those medications before they came for surgery, but because of how it's released, it'll say it's due now. So I have to go through and make sure they didn't like already take their Coreg or they didn't already take their lisinopril because if I give it to them again, that could cause issues later on. So you have to do that as well. Um, usually we have a patient care tech come in and take vitals while I'm doing that. And I like to try to work with my team members to just, you know, do everything in one full swoop and make sure everyone understands what's going on with the patient. I give a quick report to the patient care tech so he or she knows like what their diet is, like can they get out of bed yet, stuff like that. And usually, I mean, depending on the type of patient, usually like spinal patients, we can get them up and out of bed pretty quickly because you're not their lower extremities weren't worked on. If there's some numbness and tingling in their lower extremities, we kind of wait a little bit, see how they're doing and stuff like that. Um, But other than that, we'll try to get them out of bed. Um, But for like 
knee patients, hip patients, foot patients, you know, all different types of patients, I will work with my team members to make sure that they get out of bed safely. So like if it's time for them to go to the bathroom, whatever the case may be, and they want to get up, I always tell like my patient care techs like, hey, just give me a call, let me know, and I'll be in there with you. So that way, if anything seems unsafe, I can help you. Um, Because really it's about the patient. It's not about you and doing your job per se. It's about everybody doing their job and working together. So I really like to work with my patient care techs and everybody else who's there um, just to make it a better patient experience in general. Um, And we also make sure that like the patient has fresh water, some snacks if applicable, um, and we have other things in the room as well. Um, Another thing that we normally do after surgery is we'll have what are called SCD pumps. These are um, these foot pumps that we put on the patient. They usually go on the thighs or they go on the calves or we actually have foot pumps. And what they do, they're called sequential compression devices, aka SCDs, and they uh, squeeze the calf or like the leg or the foot wherever you end up placing them. And it helps to move the blood in the lower legs because once you get out of surgery, you already have like a high risk for blood clots. So they do that as like a preventative um, for blood clots in addition to giving the patient aspirin or whatever other um, anticoagulation therapies they have going on. Um, And especially if the patient has had a stroke in the past, the only time you really don't use SCDs on a patient is if they have wounds on their legs or if they have like uh, peripheral vascular disease or anything like that. Those patients, because if you do that, that actually increases the problem rather than um, solving the problem or preventing a future problem. I feel like I just totally went on a rant about like what I do for about stop, but it's my podcast, so I can say whatever I want, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's what I do for a post-op. Um, I also get direct admissions as well, which is a little bit more lengthy because you really have to go through everything. Um, and you usually have to wait a little bit for the orders to be put in, which is kind of frustrating, but you know, it is what it is. So you like go through the patient's history, you chat with them, and you make sure everything is input into the computer so that way other people know what's going on with them. Um, I'm trying to think of other things like, so like I learned my head to toe assessment and how I like to do it fairly quickly. And you usually do it every shift at least once for each one of your patients in the morning. That's why the med pass in the morning is like super stressful and super important because you have to do your initial assessment and you have to give them meds and like, you know, all these other things going on. Um, And you usually have to do it before physical therapy comes in or before they have an x-ray and, you know, it gets pretty chaotic very quickly. But once you make it past the morning med pass, it's a little bit easier in a way because, you know, there's just a lot less going on as you go throughout the day. So I've kind of learned my own process as to how I assess my patients, how I like to document everything, how I like to go about it. Like I'll kind of look at the physical therapy times for my patients and then I'll kind of plan accordingly how I want to go in the room and whatever. Occasionally you do get a patient that ends up being, I don't want to say problematic, but ends up having some sort of an issue where like they need to talk to somebody right away and then you end up getting stuck in the room for a little bit, which I, of course, I don't mind talking to a patient. I kind of wish my job was just sitting in a patient's room and talking to them all day, but unfortunately I don't have time for that. So that is the off, that sometimes throws me off a little bit and then I end up being a little bit off schedule, but every day is a different day. So you kind of just have to like work with the day as it comes at you. But, um, 
I mean, all in all, everything I've already mentioned, like those are the biggest things I've learned thus far. Um, and like I said, and I'll say this all the time, I learn something new every single time I go on the floor. So I'm sure as I go through this podcast, it'll just continue to change. So something I learned this week, and then we'll bring this episode to a close since it's a little bit longer than last time. But I want to say something I learned this week. I was actually talking to one of my coworkers on I think literally the busiest and most stressful day I've ever had working on the unit so far. Um, she had asked me, you know, if I was okay. I said to her, not really, but you know, I'm working through it. I had an assignment that was pretty, it was really difficult. I had to call a rapid on one of my patients, which was really stressful. I think I'll go into that in another video about like, or video. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Another podcast, uh, episode about like what that's kind of like on my unit. You know, of course, HIPAA, you know, HIPAA approved, obviously. Um, but it was a really stressful day for me and I kind of felt dissatisfied with what I was doing and I think she could tell that by looking at me and she was like you know you can always refuse like a case if you have to and I said to her the response I said to her I just looked at her and I said well I don't like to lose and she said well what do you mean by that and I said I I don't I don't like to give up like I will do something until I absolutely 100% cannot do it and she kind of looked at me with concern and in that moment I realized that I'm actually really really hard on myself especially when it comes to my job like I don't give myself any forgiveness whatsoever like if I go into a patient room and I forget something I'm immediately like completely thrown off my game which you know I still end up providing excellent care but I never feel satisfied with the care that I provide and I think that's a huge issue not only for me but for a lot of other nurses and newer nurses as well I feel really dissatisfied with my care sometimes because of a mistake or because I forgot something or whatever the case may be, and I end up fixing it or making the situation better, but like still, it just goes back to that dissatisfaction. So I think for this this lesson that I learned for this one and what I'm going to do going forward is I really need to get myself a break because I really don't. I never do. I never have. I'm always so hard on myself, and I even heard someone say like, you need to be kinder to yourself. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, you're right, I really do. Um, I'm not kind to myself at all. In fact, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm really hard on myself. So I think what I'm going to try to do at least this week and going forward is to try to be a lot nicer to myself and not be as hard on myself as I am. And to really just, you know, realize and know that I am truly doing the best that I can regardless of the outcome. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's Just Nurse Things Podcast on Instagram. And be sure to follow us on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please leave a review and let us know how we're doing. Please let us know if you have any questions so they can be answered on the podcast. Have a great night or day wherever you are and remember to wash your scrubs. <laughs>